And all of a sudden, it was like this awakening, like I was the happiest person ever because I didn't have to go to therapy for depression. I didn't have to go to therapy for anxiety. I didn't have to work on my fears. I just had to do one thing, identify and release shame and guilt. Because shame and guilt caused everything. I was like so excited. I'm Yvette Walker, the host of the Positively Joy podcast, where we discover that joy is not a feeling, it's faith. You can find previous episodes at PositivelyJoy.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. However you found yourself here, you are welcome, and I believe it was truly God-destined. We are in Season 3, and this season has taken the podcast into the vantage point of what joy is. I'd like you to listen to each episode this season through the lens of how Jesus Christ defines joy. John chapter 15 verse 11 reveals this when Jesus tells us to keep the Father's commandments and abide in his love. Jesus says, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. Enjoy, and I pray you receive the message the Father has for you. Do you have shame or do you have guilt? Lois Hollis would say that they are companions and that this is not being dealt with in traditional therapy today. But Lois also recognizes that God is the great healer. And once we understand how shame and guilt works together and present that to the Father, we can see real restoration. Here's Lois. Hello, Lois. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Oh, you're quite welcome. It's an honor. Well, I'm really happy that you're here because we're going to talk about something that I think affects a lot of people, and that is things that rob us of our joy. And I think that you have a lot to be able to contribute to the conversation on the robbers of our joy. So uh, why don't we get right into it? Lois Hollis, you are a nurse, an educator, and um, an author. You have a wonderful website, by the way, loishollis.com, where you talk about what led you to study shame and guilt and to understand why, you know, depression and these things rob us of our joy. So I'd love if my audience got to know you a little bit. Talk a little bit about why you started to, to study this and tell us about your family and your background. Well, I'm 77. So I want to make it short. <laughs> That's great. However, I was dying at 50. So I'm very happy to be thriving at 77. Oh, yeah. Wow. What did I do? Because I had um, scoliosis, a heart disease, ventral valve insufficiency, ventricular typication, and brain traumas, 30 years of migraine headaches. You had a lot to deal with. Liver toxicity because I took 30 years of um, pain medicine because I had migraine headaches for 30 years, but I did not know I had brain traumas from abuse. So yes, it was uh, quite a cascade of lots of traumas. So how did I want to make shame and guilt a study? Well, as you know, with the abusive uh, background that I have and many uh, problems. I was dyslexic and I also had Irin syndrome. That's I-L-E-N. And what that is, is that when you hold a book in front of you, 
the words do not stand still. Oh, okay. And usually that happens from severe abuse. I did not know that until I started writing my book. But I was uh, labeled as a stupid uh, child that could not read. And Mm. therefore, there was no way they could educate me. You mentioned the abuse. Were you physically abused as a child? Is that what you're saying? Oh, yeah. I had uh, many brain traumas. I was thrown down the steps and concrete floors and whipped a lot. And I even had a near-death experience from one of the uh, neck injuries. Mm -hmm. So anyway, um, God wanted me to keep moving. So I said, okay, (laughs) I keep (laughs) moving. (laughs) So thank God. Thank God is correct. When you have a mission, when God wants you to do something and you said, yes, I want to, he will keep you going. And as long as you listen to him and do what's necessary, God provides for you. I can, you know, that's not why I came here, but I just want to tell you that God has been in my life. I talk to God all the time. It's like, Mm -hmm. I remember people say, who is your best friend? And I said, God, I mean, he is my best friend. Anyway, so I went to therapy in my 40s because I was very depressed. But, you know, that's what happens to your life. If you never healed the traumas of your childhood, you get depressed in your adulthood. Absolutely. I mean, that's just the way it is. Everybody knows that. But anyway, I was depressed, depressed, depressed. And I went, I was depressed to the point of suicide. So I went to therapy and for like a little bit and they said, okay, you're okay now. Well, I didn't want to commit suicide, but I wasn't happy. You know, I was just like, okay, I'm living, but I'm not happy. And I like to be happy. I'm just a happy person. And I wasn't happy. And so one person in the group therapy said, what do you do about shame? And I went, huh, I never thought about shame. I have a detective mind. So I like, I had to go to the library. We didn't have internet then. I went to the library and I saw Bradshaw's books on the sickness of the soul. And um, with my relationship with God, God has blessed me with information that's not in the mainstream media. And um, with my help with clients, I've received information all the time about shame. And all of a sudden, it was like this awakening, like I was the happiest person ever because I didn't have to go to therapy for depression. I didn't have to go to therapy for anxiety. I didn't have to work on my fears. I just had to do one thing, identify and release shame and guilt. Because shame and guilt caused everything. I was like so excited. Well, yeah. I mean, after all of this and you you have this revelation, and I mean, do you feel that like God gave you this revelation? Well, yes. I mean, it wasn't like someone told me. It was like, you know, you know how it is. It just is. And you know it. And I've always had angels and people around me. But anyway, I was so excited. And also I was singing. I don't have to be heard anymore because I'm like super sensitive, like all of us, because, you know, that's how we live. And I'm always being hurt. But I didn't know people were throwing shame and guilt at me. But like, I was so excited because I said, I am not dying now. I just learned how to live. Oh, my goodness. I was so excited. Yeah, we can all hear the excitement in your voice for sure. Yeah, I was like so excited. So I worked with my clients on shame guilt and they've been in therapy for like two years and I spent one hour, two hours with them and they were fine. So it was like, people aren't mentally sick. They just don't have the information on shame and guilt. 
oh, wow, this is so exciting. Okay, thanks, God. And now I know my job. <laughs> so, so what is this information that, that you have to share about shame and guilt? Okay, I will share. Shame and guilt are not separate entities. A lot of people say, oh, shame's not good, but guilt, we need guilt to be moral. No, we don't. We don't need guilt to make us moral. We do it because it's the right thing to do. We don't have to feel guilty not to do something. We just do, I'm asking people to evolve to a higher place, not use guilt as your motivator. Use, I want to do this because it's the right thing to do. So I don't need guilt. Okay, now I'm a nurse. I've been in the health field since I'm 12. That's a long time. So <laughs> now, now to, to point out, obviously at 12, you don't have your license yet, but where you, where you were an eight. I was a nurse's aide. So I started yeah. at 12. Yeah. And so it served me well because my health is very good. Anyway, when a person has a bacteria or a virus in their brain, they call it meningitis. Now, if you have the same bacteria or virus in your kidneys, they call it nephritis. If you have it in your liver, they call it hepatitis. Okay, there are variations on the theme on bacteria, but I'm being very simplistic here. What I want to point out is that our culture names things because of its location, not because of the virus name. Does that make sense? Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Tell us more. The same bacteria in your brain is called meningitis. It isn't called bacteria A. It's called meningitis. Right. Now, if you have bacteria A in your liver, they call it hepatitis, but it's still bacteria A. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And if you have that bacteria A in your kidneys, they call it nephritis. Now you're thinking, oh, it's nephritis. Oh, it's way different than hepatitis. Oh, hepatitis is different than meningitis. I'm saying, no, it isn't because it's caused by bacteria A. Right. Okay. So that's very important to know because people, everyone, because of our culture, not because your mother, your father, your grandmother, your church, whatever, or your school, shame is in the unconscious mind. And that's why it's difficult to access. It's when you sleep that the inner critics start talking. Uh, and then guilt is in your conscious mind. That's why we're more aware of guilt than shame because it's conscious. But they're the same energy. Now, if you know this, that shame, guilt, I call it shame, guilt, then you're not split. You have a tendency to put shame here and guilt here. And it's like, is it good or is it bad? It's shame, guilt. It's in its essence is shame, guilt, energy. Right. I don't know another word to use until God tells me shame, guilt is shame, guilt. But I connect the two so that you can connect the two and see it as one energy, which makes life really, really different. Do you see how it changes your consciousness? Yeah. So now we've been given that word, right? We've been given that information. But as you said, shame is the unconscious side of things. So how can we access that? You, you yourself said that was really difficult to access. Well... It's more difficult to access, but what do you hear in the lingo of, of psychology and wellness? The more the unconscious you can bring forward, the healthier you are because it's not denial. Right. Right? 
Right. So not that we go to uh, hypnosis. That, don't, that doesn't work for this. That's another story. But anyway, what I do and what I teach people to do is access the parts of themselves. Okay. Now you are who you are, but you also have, you know, anger inside of you and anxiety and compassion and joy and love and everything else. All these emotions are inside of you and they're all living parts of your soul. Mm, Okay. Mm -hmm. They're emotions, but they're living parts of your soul. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So shame, guilt is really a spiritual robber. A spiritual robber that also can affect the body, right? Of course. Yes. Oh, you're so smart. Some people can't get that, but that's true. Shame, guilt distorts our body and our emotions and our health. Okay. Now think of a virus that attacks your computer. What does it do? What does your computer do? It's a mess. Yeah. It's a mess. Microsoft Word doesn't work and your internet doesn't work and this and that. So it's all, it doesn't follow any way. It's just wrong. It's like diseased, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Shame, guilt is an energy that comes to us. Love comes to us. Love, joy, happiness. It's all the same. It's that positive energy that comes to us from God. Yes. Right? It's an energy. And it can, oh, so depressed. And then you get some love and joy and gratitude, and it turns it around. Right? Right. So if love and joy and all that great stuff comes from God, then where is the shame and guilt coming from? It is not of the human condition. Okay, that's a long story, but I need to tell you, it's not of us. So we don't have to own it. Never own my shame, my guilt. We don't own it. It's a negative energy placed upon humanity. If only thing you get today is that shame, guilt is a negative energy placed upon humanity. Light, love, joy is Love energy, positive emotions, positive love that comes here. We have the antithesis as shame, guilt. We do not need shame, guilt to live. Mm. So I tell people, help people to see that sometimes you get upset, you know, especially in the world today. And you just like, oh, my, I should have done this or shouldn't have done that. And Maybe I didn't do that right. And it's all shaming and guilt. And we understand what shame, guilt behavior is. We've all experienced it. So I'm saying, can you just take that shame, guilt energy, not your shame, guilt, the shame, guilt energy, and like put it over on the side. You do not belong to me. And then you can talk to, hi, depression, how are you? Hi, anxiety, how are you? I don't feel good enough. How are you doing? So talk to your emotions and try to separate yourself from shame, guilt. Okay, this hasn't gotten you all the way home, but it's a start. Wow, okay, okay. So if we're going to set aside the shame, guilt, that allows us to perhaps, as you just said, you said talk to, but really explore our illnesses, our depression, our anxiety. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly, because they belong to us. 
Sorry to say that, but depression belongs to, they're all parts of us. Now, depression is the next, see, every emotion has a positive aspect and a negative aspect at this point in time. I don't know what God has later, but anyway, at this time, until we get totally get rid of shame, guilt, and I don't know when that will be, but shame, guilt causes our compassion positive to turn to negative depression. So I have worked with many people in chronic depression, and it's miserable. It's like, oh, and I myself have worked through it. Depression is extremely exhausting and debilitating. However, people have come to me and they say, I don't want to just survive with depression and learn how to live with it. I want to get rid of it. And I said, the only way you'll get rid of depression is to get rid of the shame that's making it grow. Mm. And, you know, I I know this is going to vary from person to person, but to to do that, to set the, the shame guilt aside, to get rid of it, what needs to happen? Now, as a Christian, I might say there's no way to truly get rid of the shame guilt until you completely accept your salvation. Jesus Christ is your savior. But not everybody's Christian. I understand that. So how can you set that aside? What is something that people really need to know? Okay. This is step number one. And there's like how many steps? Seven, eight. If we today, Yvette, can help people understand that shame, guilt feelings that we have are not of us. God did not, well, God does everything. He allowed this, you know, we can say that, but shame, guilt is not of our humanity. Now, being with God, knowing God's love and God's forgiveness is a big, big help. Okay. To anyone. Now, some people I deal with don't have the tremendous religious background that most of your viewers have. So yes, they have a harder time, but they can still do it. I'm saying to your audience, you got, you're halfway there already. Wow. Which is pretty cool. That's very encouraging. Very encouraging. I got chills all over my body when I said that. Yeah. So you're halfway there already. Call God in to help you to kick out. Remember God kicked out the money changers from the church? Yes. Okay. I think you can kick the uh, shame, guilt people. I have a cartoon bio. I will send it to you about how once upon a time the shame, guilt people came to visit me. Mm. (laughs) It's really a funny cartoon. So I'll send that to you, Yvette, and you can put it on your site or whatever. It's really quite funny, but it shows you anybody can kick out the shame, guilt. Oh, I call them the extended visitors. Mm. that wouldn't leave. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it feels that way, doesn't it? It really is. So, I mean, I'm demystifying shame guilt for you today. It's not the monster that's in, it's, do you remember um, the Wizard of Oz and Dorothy going to see the all and powerful wizard? Yeah. (gasps) Frightened, fearful, but she had to go to see him to get, her passage back. So 
she hears the noise in the big voice and Toto pulls the curtain back. And what do you see? A little old grumpy man with a big megaphone that's really not worth anything. So that's what I'm doing. I'm pulling the curtain back and say, shame, guilt feels like it's a monster. Mm. And it's just because we do not have the information. Culture, religion, um, scientists, psychologists don't have this information. Yeah. But let me be clear. You're you're not saying that, you know, they're pulling the curtain back and it's a little old man. You're, you don't mean that it doesn't feel real. It doesn't really affect yourself. You're not saying that it's that it's not real. It's, it affects us. It's it's definitely real, but I'm yeah. saying it's we have overblown it because shame makes us feel that way. Right. Okay. Yeah. And then when we come down to it, like we're talking right now, you know, you have more power because you have God in you mm-hmm. than shame guilt. So, okay, just sit down. We'll get rid of you. And I'm going to talk to myself, not to you. So once you discovered this and you, you know, you were working with your patients and you found it to be, you know, an incredible thing, you've done quite a bit, you're, you know, you're working with people, but you, but you came up with something called a light language. I'd like to explore that just a little bit. Okay. When I first moved to Sedona, which is in 19, well, turn of the century, 2000, I was recovering from ill health at that time. And One night when I was sleeping, I woke up like at three or four o'clock, like a lot of people do. And I usually wake up at that time anyway. But these words were in my head. I don't know which words they were, but it was like da, 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 this and that. And, you know, it was like a story that wouldn't stop. And I went, oh, I'm so tired. I want to sleep. I went, "Okay, I'm write these words because I can't sleep. So I went downstairs and got a pencil and paper and wrote the words. Now, you have to know that the the, light, joy, didn't come love, light, joy. It came the. When I wrote the word, the next word came. It was word for word, not like a sentence. It was not a sentence. It was being almost dictated to you. I was the dictator. I was dictating. I was like writing what they said. Uh Uh-huh. And if I try to, in my mind, said, oh, they're going to this and that, it stopped. <laughs> it's not your words, Lois. It's their words. Just be quiet and write what we're saying. <laughs> I'm laughing because it's really funny, isn't it? But I have an acquisitive mind. I'm thinking, oh, is that what they're writing? And it stopped. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll behave. I'll write what you say. <laughs> so I wrote and wrote, and it was paper and pencil. It wasn't like on the computer or anything. I wrote for I, I wrote for hours, and then I kind of fell asleep. And then I woke up with the words in my head again, and I wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote. I mean, that went on for three months. I wrote 1,000 pages. Wow. It's the most beautiful, beautiful language. It just makes you, it makes me cry. It's so beautiful because it connects you to spirit, to God in a way that no book does. Like spirit has told me that it isn't books that we read go to our mind first. The language that I was writing goes to your heart and soul. And the purpose of it is to bring the heart and soul 
more together because our language, our English language in culture and school has brought us away from our heart and soul. So I have two questions for you. Mm -hmm. Who is the they that were dictating to you? And was it in, were you hearing it in English? Oh, yes, yes. It was telepathy. But I was kind of used to that because, as I said, I had a near-death experience. And I didn't realize that until my 40s because it was like when I was six or seven. Um, Because someone asked me a very interesting question, who raised you because you're very astute for having all the traumas that you had. And I then all of a sudden I saw God's hand coming out of these clouds. I went, oh, my God, I remember now I had, you know, beings in my room all the time after that. And I think I just telepathically learned stuff because I couldn't read. Remember, I was dyslexic and I had Aaron syndrome. Yeah. But I passed every test. I couldn't understand that. So I just knew things. And so this writing was not like weird or anything because my whole life has been interesting. But I didn't realize it was. Does that make sense? Until I start doing bios and everything and I'm going. And that's why I started making film. Uh, because I have a DVD on YouTube that explains all these emotional parts of us. And I was giving a lecture on what I'm talking to you about. And they said, Lois, I don't understand what you're saying. I don't understand how you see this. And I said, don't you see these things? And that was my first awareness that people don't see what I see. I see. So I made a, I made a film to show how that works. And um, I'm now working on another film to make shame and guilt visible so people can understand how it interacts within us. Yeah. And and uh, you can go, everyone, you can go to Lois's website, loishollis.com, and see the video, but also have an opportunity to get a free download so that you can read some of the language that she's talking about. I wonder, would you read a short excerpt to us? Give me a minute. I'll fetch the book. Okay. And I'm told it comes from the dimension of light and love. That's where these words come from. Okay. Okay, I'll talk. This one has joy, so I'll talk about joy. Oh, go right ahead. The frozenness of joy has now been released, and it finds its own beauty of song. The rising of the kingdom of which it has been found is the keys to the wisdom of the world. Mm. Boy, that was really beautiful. It's like poetry. What does that mean to you? It means that our joy has been frozen. My interpretation is that shame guilt freezes our joy because shame guilt is a constrictor. It constricts things. It constricts our aura. It constricts our humanity. It it constricts our feelings. That's why I call it the robbers, because it actually freezes us in a state of denial and not good enough so that we can feel the joy from God or the love from God. Wow. Wow. Now, as you know, and I think a lot of your listeners know, that we're in a... um, astrological change of a lot of light coming onto the universe. So um, I say that God universe is helping us to unfreeze our joy and give us the knowledge. And I think that's why 
this information is so important at this time because we can understand why we weren't joyful because we were frozen in shame guilt. And now we have the opportunity to release. And the fact that, as I said before, the love and light that your audience has, you can just, you know, thrive. Okay, the frozenness of joy has now been released. God's releasing the shame guilt. And it now finds its own beauty of song. The rising of the kingdom, which is the kingdom. We are a kingdom. Our humanity is a kingdom of God, of which it has been found, is the keys to the wisdom of the world. I've been told that humanity's light is what feeds the universe. We are so important. We are so, so important with our love and light. That, again, very encouraging. And, you know, and I think that that's biblical. And I want to go on to ask you if you have scripture that you stand on, because God created us. We know that he created us in his image. And we also know that he that he loves us and he loves us more than any of his creations. And so when you say that we are important and our love and light is important, I think that does make sense. Um, But is there a particular scripture that you like to stand on? I think I stand more on the words that God gives me. And you're you're more adept than I am. And once you read some of these words that were given to me, you probably will be able to attach them to various scriptures. Mm, okay. Because it's not, these words are not said like, Johnny went to school right. and learned French. I say, Perhaps the vision of life took upon itself to witness in the freedom of the light. And today is only the song that sings the remains of time. I mean, like, you know, it it isn't the words that we use. It's the words, but it's not the placement of words. Yeah. No, I understand. I understand. Oh, this may, you may like this one. The love inside us is growing upon the window of love seeing love. That's really beautiful. It really is. No more of the complaining of the life that does not exist. For in the place of the unknown is the jewel of the present. Wow. The jewel of the present. I mean, it's, I, I mean, I wrote this, well, Spirit wrote it, but I read this and I'm like, this is like 20 years ago. And I still like, oh my God, I never understood that before like that. Every time you read it, you'll get a different experience with it. So I would suggest reading this before you go to bed or sometime in the evening, because then it can incubate in the unconscious and you'll wake up and going, I never thought of that before. Because it's (laughs) kind of like incubating in the unconscious and you go, whoa, I never knew that one. So it's telling your soul to wake up. Yeah. And, and, you know, and if you do that, that brings us back to that shame living in the unconscious. And so perhaps reading this and reflecting on this. Yeah. Yeah. You got it, Yvette. Yeah. I would argue, of course, read scripture as well. But yeah, reading reading these words, I think, are, are very inspirational. Yeah. I am not the expert on various passages. I think because I couldn't read and write. So, you know, I I do that now. I graduated from University of Penn. I couldn't believe it at Ivy League school. But anyway, I am not the expert on that, but I am the expert on this. So God makes all kinds of experts. 
So I would love to see you. So some people have used these words and placed them in some Bible passages, and it's really mm. quite beautiful. So if you can do that, I would love to see it. I think someone that has a really strong spirit of discernment could probably do something like that. Yeah, yeah. I can. So if there's someone listening right now who is in the throes of depression or anxiety, what is the first thing they should do? If they're listening to this podcast, what's the first thing they should do? Well, it depends on how severe it is. If it's very severe, then call a helper. You know, mm-hmm. call your friend or if you go therapy or, you know, that's where therapy helps in, helps in that that place. And always have a friend with you or you can talk to. So that's what I would say. You know, if you're if it's severe enough, you need some help. But if it's kind of like, oh, I'm so depressed today because my car can't work and this doesn't work and, you know, this virus thing and everything. So you can say, okay, and I just, oh, I don't feel like I can possibly make it because I got to do this and this and that and say, okay, that's shame and guilt. I am good enough. God made me good enough. Okay. But I still feel depressed. So I say, okay, I'll sit down with pencil on paper and say, hi, depression inside of me. Thank you so much for coming to me. What do you have to tell me? I'm making friends with depression. Mm-hmm. And if you go to YouTube and type in Out of Discord into Harmony, you'll see my DVD. And that shows you what I just said, how to do that. Perfect. Perfect. So that's what I would suggest. Turn that DVD in and start talking to yourself. But if you really have severe that you can't do that, please see a therapist, call somebody to help you. Um, I think you understand what I'm saying, Yvette, you know, oh, that yeah. there, there's all different kinds and degrees and, and recognize that, oh, I need help with this one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, wow. Well, Lois, thank you so much for, for taking time out of your busy schedule. I know, know you need to get back to your family, um, but we really appreciate you uh, telling us about banishing shame and guilt, understanding that shame and guilt are just that one thing. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) That's it. And telling us about the light language. So everyone definitely go to LoisHollis.com to read more about the light language that she's written and then also to learn more about her and and her qualifications because your bio is amazing. And as I said, you know, your background in nephrology was very interesting to me just because of my family members who also have a background in that. So I appreciate you. Thank you very much. I appreciate you being here. Well, thank you. And if someone who reads the like language has some information for me or an interest or something happened that's really great, or I just like some feedback on it if they could, if they get some feelings and it just helps to have some feedback on it. Absolutely. Well, you heard it, everybody. Uh, Go take a look at that. And there's a way for you to contact Lois on her page. Thank you. Again, thanks so much, Lois. Have Have a great day. You too. Thank you for listening to Positively Joy today. Go to PositivelyJoy.com for inspiration, encouragement, and past episodes. Follow the podcast and review and subscribe wherever you go for podcasts. Don't forget to check out our cool merchandise with our new logo. And also on the website, go to the talk tab and leave us a message on what you love about Positively Joy and what you'd like to hear in the future. Again, thanks so much for being with us. Bye for now.